welcome you to this uh, Lord's Day and just a joy to worship Christ together. I want to thank Mike and the praise team for leading us in the songs of praise and uh, thank you Huey for presiding for us and for praying for the South Africa team. Let's continue to pray for them and let's also pray for our own hearts that we would be receptive to all that the Lord would teach us through uh, their trip as they return and give their report to us as a church. Well, it's our joy to open the Word of God together, so if you have your Bibles, please open them to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 this morning. And our scripture reading is going to come from verses 8 and 9. Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Let's read this passage together. Paul writes this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have heard and received and Learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. This morning I want to speak to you on the subject of cultivating a pure mind. Cultivating a pure mind. As we look at verse 8, we see that Paul is addressing the mind of the Christian. He says, think about these things. He's talking here about what we think about on a daily basis. He is addressing the minds of the Philippian believers. And as we look at this text, I just want to begin by asking you a real simple question, and that is, how is your thought life? How is your thought life? What are the things that you think about on a daily basis? What are the things that occupy your minds when you are alone with your thoughts, when you have no one else around? How would you characterize your thought life and how it's been in the last couple weeks? What are the types of things that have been running throughout your minds? Because this is a passage that deals with the mind. It is a passage in which Paul is shepherding the church And it's a passage where God is shepherding us in regards to the kinds of things that we think about. Now to give the bigger picture as it relates to this text, what I want you to see is that because of the gospel, because of the work of Christ on the cross and because of his resurrection from the grave, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, you and I have been given new minds in Christ. This is one of the amazing expressions of God's grace to us is that he has given to us a new mind. Before we came to Christ, our minds were darkened in their understanding. Scripture says that we lived in the futility of our minds. Ephesians 4.17 describes the mind of the unbeliever as darkened in understanding 
alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. You know, that was us before we came to Christ. Our minds were just lost. Our minds were darkened. We lived, Colossians 1.21 says, hostile in mind. I remember as an unbeliever hearing the teaching of the Bible and just being angered at the truth of God's word. I was hostile when it came to the things of God. And 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You know, brothers and sisters, wasn't that us before we placed our faith in Christ? We couldn't understand the Bible. We couldn't understand the gospel. We couldn't understand the message of Jesus Christ because we did not have the Holy Spirit to teach us and to instruct us and in the amazing work of God's grace in our salvation. What God has done is he has taken us in our depraved minds and he has given to us new minds in Christ. He has opened our minds to receive the gospel. And he has renewed our minds with the truth of God's word. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 12 says, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We can understand God's truth. We can understand God's word. We can understand God's message because the Holy Spirit has been given to us. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, We have the mind of Christ. That's one of the amazing expressions of God's grace in our lives. Is he has given to us new minds. Once we were hostile in mind. And now we delight to know God's word. Once we were futile in our thinking and our understanding. And now our minds bear fruit because of the word that's been implanted in us. And the point that I want to bring to your attention this morning is that because we have received new minds in Christ, because God has given to us a renewed mind, we are called now to cultivate our minds. We are called to protect our minds. We are called to feed our minds because of the work that God has done in us. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Ephesians 4.22 instructs us to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And 1 Peter 1 verse 13 says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action, literally girding up the loins of your mind. Your mind is like a long flowing robe and you need to to gather it all together and to, to tie it into one big Tight package with a belt is the idea. By preparing your minds for action and be sober-minded, Peter says, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 describes the spiritual battle in this way. We are destroying arguments. We are destroying every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to obey Christ. 
You know, the call of the scriptures is clear and repeated. We are called to cultivate our minds. Our minds are important. What we think matters. And because God has given to us due minds in Christ, we are called to nourish those minds. And the primary way we do this is real simple. It's by feeding our minds on the word of God. We are to feed our minds on the Holy Scripture. You know, this is just so basic. This is so simple. This is Christianity 101. I'm not going to say anything this morning that you haven't heard before. This is not new or novel teaching. The way that we renew our minds is by feeding them on the Word of God. A renewed mind hungers after the truth of God in Scripture. 1 Timothy 4, verse 6, Paul said to Timothy, in pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. He says to Timothy, I just want you to constantly feed yourself on the truth of Scripture. Just constantly be eating of the Word of God that it might nourish your soul. And in 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul says, Until I come... Devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Paul tells it, says to Timothy, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Just drown your mind in the Holy Bible. And the result is that all will see your progress as you grow spiritually and as the Word of God changes you. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. So we have received new minds. We are called to cultivate those minds. And the way we cultivate those minds is by feeding our minds on the Word of God. And all of that brings me back to the original question that I have for you, and that is, how is your thought life? Christian, how is your thought life? Are you daily being renewed in the Word of God? Are you renewing your mind according to the Holy Scripture? Are you daily nourishing and feeding your mind with the truth of God's Word? You've heard of loving God with all your heart. You've heard of loving God with all your soul. But we are also to love God with all our minds. We are to love Him and glorify Him in the thoughts that we think on a daily basis. Psalm 19, the psalmist said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know, as I thought about this subject, I really was seeking to shepherd my own heart. As I know that in my own thought life, I fall greatly short in thinking God's thoughts after him. And I was also seeking to shepherd you. I just had so many of you on my heart and my mind as I thought about this message and what I would bring to you and how this would be an encouragement to your soul. And I want you to know that there is forgiveness for where we fall short. I want you to know that God's grace and his mercy just overflows in abundance toward us as believers. 
And I want you to know that this call to, to cultivate our minds, this call to a pure mind, comes from the affectionate heart of God because he knows that this is the greatest way we will be blessed. He wants to shepherd our minds away from all the things that would harm us. And he wants to lead us to green pastures that our lives would bear fruit for his glory. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking of the three basic ways that Christians struggle with their minds. And I would just lay these before you and ask you to consider these things and see if they're true of you. I believe for many of us, first of all, we, we may struggle with a distracted mind. A distracted mind. I mean, we're just distracted from the truth of God's word. We live today in a distracted society. Our society communicates in 140 characters or less. And anything more than that, our minds just can't handle it. We communicate in bursts of information. And many times we're just distracted. Maybe you're saying, Dan, I'd love to feed my soul on the word of God. I'd love to concentrate on God's truth, but I just, I'm just so distracted. It's hard for me to concentrate. It's hard for me to focus. And just this past week, I was having my quiet time in my car. And I have it in my car because that's, with four kids, that's the only place that's quiet in my home. And uh, I was just focusing on God and focusing on prayer. And my iPhone buzzes. And it sounds, you know, whenever your iPhone buzzes, it sounds really urgent, like it's the most important thing in the world. And so I grab my iPhone and see what world-changing information is being given to me at this moment. And I read my phone and it says, Chick-fil-A special. <laughs> Two-for-one sandwiches from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock today. Buy one entree, get one free. drive through only. And... All of a sudden, I'm not thinking about God or prayer anymore. I'm thinking about Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. And I'm thinking about free Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches. And I'm just distracted. It was just so easy to be distracted. We have buzzes and beeps and pings going off at all times in our lives and it's just so easy to be distracted from God's word. And I think that this is a struggle for many of us, is a distracted mind. Secondly, I think that many of us may struggle with a superficial mind. A superficial mind. And what I mean by that is a mind that is constantly being occupied with trivia. A mind that's constantly occupied with that which has no real eternal significance. We live in a world that's dominated by trivia. I mean, scan the latest news headlines and you will see what kind of things this world is occupied by. I mean, it's the latest research on vitamins and how they will boost your immune system. We used to think it's vitamin C, but now we think it's vitamin E and it just constantly is changing like it's the most important world news in the world. In the sports world, the latest news was something about Meta World Peace and does he really like his new name or does he regret 
changing his name to Meta World Peace? And was he pleased to see world peace at the, on the halftime of the Super Bowl in blazing lights? And what does he think of Jeremy Lin's haircut? This week, the local news on Channel 9, I kid you not, did a report on dancing poodles. There was a dancing poodle. Newsflash! Dancing poodle! At the local animal shelter. <laughs> it's just, I don't know how that qualifies as news, but it was reported as news. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that is flooding our hearts and our minds. And if we are not careful, Christians, if we are not careful, brothers and sisters, we can be so consumed with what is trivial that we lose the capacity to think thoughts about God. We lose the capacity to think profound thoughts, deep thoughts about the Word of God. You see, nothing in the Bible is trivial. Nothing. Nothing in the Bible is superficial. This book deals with the weightiest and most profound truths in all the universe, the nature of God, the nature of man, the folly of sin, the way of salvation, the atoning work of Jesus on the cross, heaven, hell, end times, our future in heaven. And if we are not careful through constant preoccupation with what is superficial, we can lose the ability to think biblical thoughts. Our soul shrivels up under the onslaught of the trivial and superficial. John Piper wrote this, The greater enemy of hunger for God is not poison, but it is apple pie. It is not the banquet of the wicked that dulls our appetite for heaven, but it is the endless nibbling at the table of the world. It is not the X-rated video, but it is the prime time dribble of triviality we drink in every night. You see, under that onslaught, our souls become accustomed to thinking that this trivia is the most important news in the world. And I believe many of us struggle with a distracted mind. I believe many of us struggle with a superficial mind. And then thirdly, I believe that many of us struggle with an impure mind. Many of us struggle with an impure mind. You know, living in Southern California, our minds are constantly under assault. On the 60 freeway heading west, there was a drive I used to make every week. And there are a number of billboards which advertise immoral content. They've been up there for years and used to pass by them all the time. And it used to become a family routine that we trained our children to look down or to uh, cover their eyes whenever we drove that stretch of the freeway and those kinds of billboards are an assault against the purity of the Christian mind. I was asking a brother at church if he saw the latest YouTube video. I think there was some YouTube video that I was excited about. I said, hey, have you seen this? And he told me that, you know, Dan, um, I don't watch YouTube. I just don't I just never go on that site. I just, um, it's, it's not a legalistic thing. It's, it's a personal decision, but there's just so many impure things on YouTube. I just choose, I don't want to run the risk 
of defiling my mind. And I was just encouraged by that. I was just blessed by that, just the desire to protect and to guard the mind. I believe many of us struggle with impurity of mind. We are constantly under assault through advertisements and through internet sites and through the media and the music of this world. And all of this is why we need the exhortation of Philippians 4 verse 8. We struggle with distraction. We struggle with superficiality. We struggle with impurity. Paul was a pastor. He was a shepherd at heart. He wanted to shepherd his church so that they would grow spiritually. And so in Philippians 4 verse 8, he calls them, he exhorts them, he appeals to them that they would pursue a sanctified mind. What he's saying to the Philippians is that the mind is important. You have to guard your mind. You have to feed your mind on the right things. And he says, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, Philippians, think about these things. Think about these things. This is a call to a disciplined mind. It is a call to gird up the loins of your mind and to gather up all the loose ends and to focus them on what is true and what is honorable. This is a call to a discerning mind. It's a call to distinguish what is true from what is false. It's a call to distinguish what is honorable from what is vulgar. It is a call to distinguish what is pure from what is unclean, from what is lovely, from what is base what is excellent from what is of bad reputation. Paul is calling us to pursue a sanctified mind. And as we look at this text, I just want to draw two simple points from this text. First, I want us to see the call to a sanctified mind. And secondly, I want to talk to you about the cultivation of this mind. So first, the call, and then second, the cultivation. First, let's look at the call. The call to a sanctified mind. You'll notice in verse 8, Paul says, finally. He has been giving final exhortations to the Philippian church. And here he's bringing this passage to a conclusion. He says, finally, brothers, this is what I have to say. And he calls them brothers, which is just a reminder that he loves them that he cares for them, that they are near and dear to his heart. Paul is addressing the Philippians with a heart of kindness. He's speaking these things for their joy and for their blessing. And then he gives six specific adjectives which describe the sanctified mind. He says, whatever is true, whatever is true as opposed to false, whatever is in harmony with the truth of God's word, John 17, 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. He goes on to say, whatever is honorable. The the word can be translated noble or worthy of respect. It is the opposite of what is trashy. It is the opposite of what is vulgar. Paul is saying, get your minds out of the gutter, Philippians. Focus your minds of what is honorable. 
that which is dignified, that which encourages sober-mindedness. He goes on to say in verse 8, whatever is just, whatever is in accord with God's righteous standards, whatever is pure, he says, meaning whatever is clean or undefiled or free of pollution. The word pure here was used to describe the sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament temple. Whatever is innocent or free from moral taint. And then Paul says, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, pleasing, agreeable, or amiable. And then Paul concludes the string of adjectives in saying, whatever is commendable, whatever is of good reputation, whatever is of well-regarded or well-thought of, if there is any excellence, Paul's summing it all up, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. That verb, think about these things, is in the present tense. It speaks of continuing, ongoing action. The idea isn't that you think these thoughts and then you move on. The idea is that your mind is continued to be pressed down upon these things. Greek grammarian A.T. Robertson said that this verb, logizomai, describes a prolonged contemplation as if one is weighing a mathematical problem. It describes a prolonged meditation and consideration on what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is just. Paul calls the church to think about these things. Think about these things. He calls the church to a sanctified mind. Now let me just be clear with you what I believe is the primary application of this text. And this will be real basic won't get complicated at all. I believe the primary application of this text is the feeding of our minds on the Word of God. It is the feeding of our minds on the Word of God. I mean, the primary way that we dwell on what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, and what is lovely is by feeding our minds with Scripture. Now, I believe that there are other ways that this verse could be applied. There are secondary ways that we could apply this verse. For example, if you were to read a work of accurate history, that would be one way of dwelling on what is true as opposed to what is false. If you were to listen to an excellent piece of music, that would be one way of dwelling on what is lovely or what is noble or excellent. If you were to read an an esteemed piece of literature, that might be one way of dwelling on what is um, excellent or commendable. And to consider stories of history, such as uh, soldiers who laid their lives down for their nation, or even those who excelled in their secular vocation. I think of the pilot, uh, Captain uh, Sullenberger, I believe was his name, who rescued his plane by ditching it in the Hudson River and just his excellent devotion to his vocation. That would be one application of thinking on what is commendable or what is noble. All of these uh, adjectives were actually used in 
the Greco-Roman world to describe the best of Roman culture and the best of Roman civilization. And so I do believe that there is an application of this verse to just thinking of the best of society and the best of culture. But the primary application, I think we would agree, the primary application has to do with filling our minds with the Word of God. It has to do with filling our minds with Holy Scripture because where do we find God's truth revealed? Where do we learn about what is truly honorable in the sight of God? Where do we find God's standards of justice explained? Where do we feed our minds on what is pure, what is holy, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is ultimately and eternally worthy of praise? All of these qualities are found in their greatest quantity and in their greatest concentration in the 66 books of Holy Scripture. It is the word of God which is true. It is the word of God which is pure. It is the word of God which is lovely. It is the word of God which is worthy of praise and is excellent. And the more we feed our minds on the word of God, the more we live in line with Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. And if I could press you a little bit on this application, I would say that the qualities of Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 are not only found in the word of God, but they are specifically found in the person that this word reveals. They are specifically found in the person of Jesus Christ. If you look at all these adjectives, you will find an accurate description of who Jesus is. Jesus is pure. Jesus is true. Jesus is honorable. Jesus is lovely. Jesus is of the best reputation. Jesus is excellent. And Jesus is ultimately and eternally worthy of all our praise. If you think much about Jesus Christ, you will fulfill the exhortation of Philippians 4 verse 8. J.C. Rowell has written, If we love Jesus Christ, we will like to think about him. He will come up before our mind's eye many time in the day. He will often be in our thoughts. Thinking about Jesus is how we dwell on what is true and what is lovely. You know, brothers and sisters, um, this verse was given to shepherd the Philippian church. And I believe this verse has been given to us to shepherd us. I want to just speak to you as a shepherd this morning. I want to speak to you as one who cares for your soul and ask you to carefully consider the words Paul is speaking. Are you feeding your mind on the Word of God? Are you feeding your mind on Holy Scripture? Are you dwelling in your mind upon the Christ revealed in the scripture, on his perfect life, on his death on the cross, on his resurrection from the grave, on his soon return to this earth? Are you letting your mind be filled with the things of the word, be filled with the things of Christ? Or are you, dear brothers and sisters, are you feeding your mind on the junk food of this world? And I just say this as one who wants encourage your hearts this morning. You know, one of the most grievous things that any pastor can hear, one of the things that I think 
makes me sadder than, than anything else is to hear that there are brothers and sisters even in our church who just aren't growing. They're just stagnating in their walks with Christ. And they're frustrated because they want to grow, but they just feel like they're not growing. And, and for me, that's, that's one of the, the greatest things that just grieves my heart. And it's just an occasion for prayer. And, and I just pray that, that you would grow. And I want to do everything I can do to encourage you to grow. But I'll just speak to you as a shepherd this morning. That if you're not growing in Christ... If, if you're stagnating in your walk with Christ, if you feel like you haven't changed from week to week, look no farther than what is the diet that you are feeding your mind. Just what are you feeding your mind? Because the old saying is true, garbage in, garbage out. If you are feeding your mind on what is true and what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely, if you're feeding your mind on the word of God, you cannot help but grow. You will grow because that is what the Word of God does in our lives. But if you are feeding your mind on the junk food of this world, you will be malnourished and you will not grow. You know, the other week I heard a story of a British teenager. Some of you may have heard this story. True story. She's been eating nothing but chicken McNuggets for 15 years. Since she was two years old, she's been addicted to chicken McNuggets. And every once in a while, she will break the monotony of chicken McNuggets and have a bag of potato chips. And her mother's driving, it's driving her mother crazy, but she can't eat anything else. And at age 17, after eating chicken McNuggets for 15 years, her body broke down and she was hospitalized. And she went to the hospital, they checked her blood, and she was severely malnourished to the point where they had to inject her with vitamins. And the doctors told her, if you continue this diet, if you continue this diet, you will die. You will die. And her response to that was, she can't stop. She doesn't know how to eat real food. All she knows how to do is eat chicken nuggets. And brothers and sisters, we look at that and we say, wow, how can you eat nothing but junk food and expect to be healthy? How can you eat nothing but junk food and expect to grow and yet is not the true, same true for us spiritually? If we are eating nothing but the junk food of the world, we will not grow. I heard a statistic a number of years ago that stuck with me, and it really has bothered me ever since. It, it said that the average Christian of the average church cracks open their Bible once a week. Really, Sundays are the only day they open their Bibles, and then maybe once a week throughout the week, they'll open it on their own. And when I heard that, I was just so sad. Because it's like hearing that my children are only eating one day a week. I mean, that's the only time they, they eat meals and they're just starving the rest of the week. And brothers and sisters, I would hope to say that is not true of us and yet I believe that 
it is so easy for that to be true of us. It is so easy for that to be true of all of us. As we're just busy and we're just caught up in what's going on and we're just rushing from thing to thing and we just have so much going on in our lives and the regular personal devotion to God's word just isn't there. And we open it from time to time, but we are not constantly feeding ourselves on the word of God. And then we wonder why we're not growing. Why aren't I growing? Why am I malnourished? Why do I feel weak? What the doctors told this British girl is you just need to eat real food. You just need to eat real, nutritious food. And that's all I would say to you this morning. You just need to start dwelling on your minds on what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely what is of good repute, you need to have your minds fixed on these things and you will grow. You will grow. And I'm just pleading with you as a pastor, I'm just pleading with you as one who struggles with all the same things, with distraction and superficiality. And I'm just asking you, brothers and sisters, are you feeding your minds on what is true? Are you feeding your minds on the word of God? Let me just speak to you as a shepherd this morning. I believe that God has placed this upon my heart. And I want to move from the first point, the call to a sanctified mind, to the second point, the cultivation. How do we cultivate a sanctified mind? And this is just, again, real basic and real simple. I believe that We just need to hear some of these basic exhortations time and time again. I just want to bring you four encouragements to cultivate a sanctified mind. And the first encouragement is this. Read the Word of God. Read the Word of God. I know that this is elementary. I know you heard this the day that you were saved. I know that you have heard this before, but we will never get beyond this truth. Spiritual growth occurs as we read the Word of God. Spiritual growth occurs as we read the Word of God. And brothers and sisters, could I just shepherd you in this way? Reading little blurbs or verses on Facebook doesn't really count. I would ask, I'm going to get in trouble for saying this but I would ask you this morning what is the more dominant influence upon your mind what are you spending more time with are you spending more time with the word of God are you spending more time with social media what is the more dominant shaper and influence of your mind is it the Bible or is it Facebook and I say this as one who loves Facebook and who loves all the things the the internet provides for us, and yet what is the dominant shaper of our minds? Is it the Word of God? I want to encourage you to read Scripture. Read Scripture. Get a Bible and and read it. Read it from cover to cover. If, If you don't have a 
a personal Bible reading plan, I want to encourage you to get one this morning. You know, after servant service, one of the brothers showed me this cool Bible reading app that he has on his iPhone. And he says, this Bible reading app has helped me to be disciplined in the Word of God day after day. You know, there are just so many tools to do this. There are so many resources. There are so many plans. I personally have used the one-year Bible and just have used that for years to get through the Word of God. But the key thing is that you need to do it. No one's going to do this for you, and there's no shortcut or magic formula. You need to spend time in the Word of God. And let me encourage you to not only read the Word of God regularly, but to read it systematically. To read it from cover to cover. To get a Bible reading plan that will take you through the breadth and the depth of Scripture that will take you in a reasonable amount of time from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Because it's all one unified story. And it's all one book in the end. Job 23 verse 12 says, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than the portion of food. Matthew 4 verse 4 says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Brothers and sisters, what is the more pressing need when you wake up in the morning? Do you hunger for the word of God or do you hunger for your physical food? I would just encourage you this morning, to read the Word of God. And I would love to say that we can take this for granted, but let's be honest, we cannot. We cannot. Many of us, we're just not growing. We're just not growing in our love for Christ, our love for the Gospel, our love for His name, because we're not exposing ourselves to a personal, disciplined reading of Scripture. And some of us are shying away from the disciplined reading of God's word because we are afraid of being legalistic. Brothers and sisters, let me reason with you this morning. If you are struggling with legalism in your heart, you need to spend more time in the word, not less. Because how are you going to overcome that legalism except by being exposed and understanding the gospel of Jesus Christ? And how are you going to understand the gospel of Jesus Christ if you do not read about the gospel as it is unveiled in Holy Scripture? Fighting legalism is reading more Bible, not less Bible. Let me encourage you to read the Word of God. Second exhortation, let me encourage you to memorize the Word of God. Let me encourage you to memorize God's word. How do you fill your mind with what is true, what is lovely, what is pure, what is excellent? You read the word of God and you memorize it. Memorize the word of God. Psalm 119 verse 11, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. 
He is like the tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in all that he does, he prospers. How do you meditate on the word of God day and night? You store it in your heart. You commit it to memory. When I was a young Christian, I read the following words by Pastor Chuck Swindoll that have stayed with me ever since. He said this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life that is more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. I know no other practice more rewarding than memorizing the word of God. He said, no other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened. Your witnessing will be sharper. Your attitudes will begin to change. Your mind will become alert. Your confidence will be enhanced. Your faith will be solidified. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, we are not asking, this is not asking for any great and and monumental tasks. You can memorize a tremendous amount of the Word of God in only five minutes a day. Five minutes a day. I um, one of the men that has been kind of an example for me as to memorizing Scripture is Pastor John Piper. And if you listen to him talk, he just has Scripture everywhere. Scripture. He just memorized tremendous amounts of the Word of God. And he was asked, what is your daily practice of memorizing God's word? And he says, I set aside five to ten minutes a day to memorize scripture. I was like, you can memorize all that scripture in five minutes a day. But if you think about it, if you're consistent with it, it really is true. Piper gives the following method for memorizing scripture. He says, sit down with your Bible and read a verse aloud ten times in a row. Then close your Bible, and to the best of your ability, say the verse from memory ten times in a row. Then you're done for the day. Go out, live your life, come back the next day, and repeat until you have that verse down. Once you have that verse down, go on to the next verse and do the same. You can commit a tremendous amount of scripture to memory in five minutes a day, and the dividends for this just are tremendous. The fruit that this will bear in your life is amazing. You will be blessed. You will find that you will be dwelling on more and more what is true and what is honorable, what is pure and what is lovely as you commit more and more of the word of God to your memory. One of the verses I've committed to memory is Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And um, this verse has come to mind many times when I am anxious or when my thoughts are kind of all over the place. And I was at the dentist's office the other week. And I don't like the dentist's office. I feel very uneasy there. I never know what they're going to do or what they're going to say. And I'm getting my teeth worked on. And Galatians 5 starts running through my mind. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And even while I'm at the dentist's office, what is running through my mind because of scripture memory is what is true, what is honorable, what is pure, what is lovely. 
This is just a, a great way to apply Philippians 4, verse 8. Memorize Scripture. Brothers and sisters, memorize the Word of God. Thirdly, let me encourage you to listen to God's Word. To listen to God's Word. Do you want to fill your mind with what is excellent? Do you want to fill your mind with what is pure? Read the Word of God. Memorize the Word of God. And then take every opportunity to listen to God's Word. You see, there's expository preaching and then there's expository listening. There's the eager and open heart to give attention to the Word of God. And the resources are there. The heart, in many times, in our hearts, is not there. Ask God for a heart to listen to God's Word. Ask God to give you an appetite and a hunger for God's word. Ask God to give you an appetite for the faithful teaching of the Bible. Because as you listen to the word of God, you will be filled with what is true and honorable and pure and what is lovely. Just this last week, I was driving in my car, and it was on my, the foremost of my mind was, and I, op- I turn on the Christian radio, and I hear Dr. Steve Lawson expounding on the glories of the doctrine of election. And all of a sudden, my puny problems are put in perspective. My mind is being filled with what is true and what is excellent. And all it took was turning on to Christian radio. I commend you to the many faithful Bible teachers who are handling the Word of God, both here at Cornerstone and also in the church at large. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says, You have many teachers. You have many teachers, brothers and sisters. Learn from them all. Absorb from them all. Paul never had this idea that you can learn only from me. He commended the church to listen to anyone who was faithful to God's word. Listen to The word, Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 says, The people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it, facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday. And it says that the ears of all the people, were attentive to the book of the law. Brothers and sisters, may that be said of us, that we are attentive to the word of God. Let me give you a fourth and final exhortation. I'm pleading with you this morning to read the word. I'm just, they're just my pastoral exhortations. I'm pleading with you to memorize the word. I'm pleading with you to listen to the word. And then I'm pleading with you not to miss the Christ of the Word. Not to miss the purpose of the Word. Not to miss the reason why the Word was written. It was written in order to point us to a person. It was written to reveal Jesus Christ. All of the Scripture from beginning to end is centered on Christ and points toward Christ. The Old Testament points forward to Christ in prophecy and anticipation. The Gospels reveal Christ in his earthly incarnation. The epistles explain Christ and his work on the cross. The book of Revelation prophesies of Christ and what he will do when he returns. Don't miss 
the purpose of why this book was written. It is Christ who is true. It is Christ who is honorable. It is Christ who is pure, who is lovely, who is commendable. It is Christ who is excellent, and it is Christ who is worthy of our eternal praise. Brothers and sisters, think about these things. Think about Him. Think about Him. Fill your mind with the Word of God. And fill your mind with the Christ of this Word. Spurgeon said, oh, that you and I might get into the very heart of the Word of God. And that we might get that Word into ourselves. It is blessed to eat into the very soul of the Bible until your spirit is flavored with the words of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, cultivate a sanctified mind. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? And let's give God praise for this time. Father, we thank you for shepherding us this morning through your word. We thank you for shepherding our minds. Lord, we just sensed your care of us through this text that the reason why you have written it is because you love us and you desire our blessing Lord I pray that you would help us to respond in obedience help us to be doers of the word not just hearers of it help us not just to appreciate the teaching of God's word but to apply the teaching of God's word help us Lord to discipline our minds unto godliness so that we would grow in our love and our affection for you. Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And we'll give you all the praise for the great things you have done. We pray this in Christ's name.